Where Nobody Knows Your Name, season eight is still recorded in front of nobody. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. I'm John. And I'm James. It's still recording. Still recording in front of... (laughs) <laughs> Still recording in front of nobody. Well, it's a good job with that kind of vibe. <laughs> we couldn't get past the first few lines. Uh, it's eight seasons in. We're <laughs> still practicing. Still got things to learn. We've but- still not mastered the intro. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, though, James. Season eight. We're off to a good start with this one because we're uh, we're going to be talking about the impossible dream part one. We're going to be talking about the improbable dream. Oh yeah, no, we've, I've really fluffed this, haven't I? Oh well. Do you know what it's like when you uh, when you've got blank page? You know, if you mess up, we've messed up now, so everything else doesn't matter. We're never going to be perfect, James. It's going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> the improbable dream. <laughs> you're not you're not completely uh, off base. Let's use a sports analogy. Why not? <laughs> because the title is a, is a wordplay or twist on a song. Uh, the Impossible Dream from the play mm. and the movie Man of La Mancha, which was released in 1972. So you know, you're uh, maybe it was just a kind of Freudian slip. Yeah, and that, and that is our first fact of the season, James. Oh, yep. <laughs> Get ready though, season eight. Oh, can't move for facts. You're sitting there and you're going back off facts. <laughs> This episode was directed by James Burroughs and written by Sherry Urchin and Bill Steinkilner, and it was released on September the 21st in 1989, James. Ooh, a while ago. It's a, it's a while ago, but you know, it feels like yesterday, because... Uh... <laughs> I think you say, I watched this episode yesterday. I watched it this morning, actually. <laughs> so it feels like just this morning. I tell you what, James, I really liked this episode. I thought it was quite a fresh opener. Quite a few twists and turns. Yeah, it's um I think it was a good way to kick off the season mm-hmm. because and I'll tell you for why, it <laughs> felt like recently there's been a lot of franchises which have kind of rebooted or done sequels thirty years after mm-hmm. it has happened. And I think recently and it is related to Cheers in a in a sort of way. Recently, one of the most well-received ones is Top Gun Maverick, right? Mm. And I saw Top Gun Maverick, and I, I really enjoyed it. Surprisingly so. Kush, who, uh, you know, popped on for the 40th anniversary just, just a week prior to this episode, he said the same thing. He was surprisingly impressed by Top Gun Maverick. And why I think it worked is because it was nostalgic while doing uh, new things and bringing in new characters. And I think this episode of Cheers does the same. You know, it, mm. it has the same core elements, but it introduces new dynamics and uh, new threats, one could say. Oh, that's a bit of a, a tease for uh, later in this episode, James. But before we get on to that, should we go to the cold open, which is, I suppose is a little bit more familiar? John's basically, I, I wasn't ready for the recording and I left my camera on. And uh, John saw me uh, making a beverage, which was uh, related to this cold open. Well, yeah, you were you started talking about putting some uh, fruit in your beverage. Yeah, a couple of uh, limes. <laughs> you're trying to channel some Fraser there. Yeah, Fraser's- not, not, not a couple of limes, not a couple of whole uncut limes. <laughs> just 
There you go. <laughs> yeah, Fraser begins this episode by putting some lime in his Corona. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he seemed to be very la-di-da for this. Norman Cliff are very impressed. Ooh, fruit in a beer? <laughs> Ooh. But, you know, they it's... Say, a, there goes one elegant guy. This is, is this like an origin story of, of the, the fruit slices and beer? Because it's, it's fairly common now. You know, you look, you've got your Corona, your Desperados, Blue Moon. I don't know if it's known in yeah. the US, but the Blue Moon, you put a orange whole in. Whole slice of orange. Yeah. Garnish like a cocktail. <laughs> and it's an all right beer. Um, there's my, I don't know if you've ever seen The Night Manager. Uh, it's a miniseries starring Tom Hiddleston, Hugh Laurie, and... I'm familiar with it. I've seen it. Um, and Olivia Coleman. Uh, oh, yeah. and, and, and the woman from Tenet as well. Yeah, based on a book by John le Carre, you know, out, about a night manager of a hotel who basically becomes a spy on an arms dealer for, for the UK government. And there's a scene where, where Tom Hiddleston necks a blue moon. And I was like, I am not an athletic guy. I am not a <laughs> subtle guy. But in this scene, I feel him and I are on the same wavelength. <laughs> <laughs> So that's what I got from that oh. show. <laughs> I'm going to expect you to be down in a blue moon next time we go to the pub then, James. And then afterwards, yeah. I want you to like squash the orange slice on your forehead as well. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone seems quite impressed by Fraser, And then he goes to the bathroom, uh, I think to clean his hands because he's got beer all over them. No, no, he, uh, no he says, I need to talk um, to a man about uh, a question or something. Basically, he, he's being a he's being a posh, pretentious man, and he, what he's saying is basically, I need to talk to a guy about a horse. Have you heard this phrase? Uh, no. He's going to the toilet. That's all it is. It's like oh, uh, okay. in the UK, is it taking the dog for a walk or something like this? I've uh, not heard of that either. Um, I've heard spend a penny. That- spend a penny. Well, that comes from the old uh, the, the old public toilets, and that was a cost of a the cost of a piss. <laughs> 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 um, Anyhow, <laughs> they start putting other stuff in Fraser's beer to see what'll float. That, that's yeah. kind of the premise of this call open. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun little science experiment. Yeah, I mean it. It, it goes. It takes uh, one level to the next. Starts with an olive, ends with car keys. <laughs> but as soon as they see Fraser approaching back, they suddenly yeah. A dip. They, Carlos smashes a hand into his pint, fishes out everything. He takes a little swig and he goes, mm, the lime sure adds a nice flavour. I thought it was going to get real disgusting. I thought it was going to be like ashtray, you know. <laughs> Do you know what it reminded me of, James? And I'm not sure if you will have uh, shared this childhood TV program. <laughs> Do you know where I'm going? No, but I am Brainiac. Yes. Do, do you watch well, Brainiac? I remember Brainiac. Yeah, John Tickle, which to US <laughs> listeners, real name, and he's not, you know, he's not a clown or something more sleazy. He was a physicist, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but the way they would hook you for the adverts, it was sort of a, a show that was kind of a, what do you call it, like a variety show of science experiments? A little bit like Mythbusters, maybe. Little Mythbusters, but I think it was more aimed for children. But that will it float <laughs> thing. I think they were going a bit more adult because they had they had Mylene class in a bikini and she was a model. 
Yeah, she was by poolside and she'd go, it'd be like, will a watermelon float? Find out after the break. Leans over and dips a watermelon into the pool and, you know, <laughs> you get to a teenager, you go, I no longer care whether they float. I think this was the 1989 version of that, I think. Cliff putting a olive in a pint. <laughs> you didn't see that in Brainiac, just miling class going, will it float? <laughs> Dropping an olive <laughs> in a drink, yeah. Uh it was a good show, though. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Shame it stopped, but you know, very of its time. I think it's a time capsule of a sort of childhood TV show. I think. It's it's very of its time, but also it was well made enough for them to be educational. You know, I learned a few science things from Brainiac. You know, um, as well mm. as one of my favorite one of my favorite quotes from uh, Professor John Tickle walks up straight to the camera deadpan he goes who looked at a cow and thought i'll drink that (laughs) (laughs) it's just fantastic (laughs) but yeah very mythbusters um it's like a cross between mythbusters and fact or fiction with jonathan Mm. fakes does that bring us into the main episode james i think it does yeah because what a scenario we go into yeah it's it's an interesting episode and it kicked off at Becky's apartment. Mm, kicks off with Sam and Rebecca returning from a date to her apartment. And what? <laughs> it's uh, a lot has changed since Rebecca ran screaming from Crandall's <laughs> hotel room. I'll tell you that much. Uh, and we get a very sort of, it's, I would guess it's for the best part of five minutes, this scene. It feels like it. It feels like a very sort of long drawn out scene. She goes into her kitchen to try and make a coffee. Uh, Sam, as we've seen a few times, tries to uh, darken the lights, put some music on. Yes. Sets a scene. He puts on Put Your Head on My Shoulder by Paul Anker. Okay, if I turn on the radio? Sure. Are your lips cracked, dry, and bleeding? Do you have scaly red patches in your facial folds? And another little known fact to kick off season eight, Paul Anker wrote a very famous easy listening jazz song, I guess you'd call it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what it is? I'm going to say no. He's not most famous performed it, but he wrote it for a friend of his, right? No. Yeah. That friend performed it and it's probably the most well-known song by this friend of his. It's My Way by Frank Sinatra. Oh. Yeah. Well, Rebecca comes out and Sam says, uh, how about dancing on the first date? Uh, and they start dancing. The music changes, James? To a song which re- turns Rebecca's knees to butter. You know, you could spread toast with her knees. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of a callback to uh, the episode in season seven, uh, where uh, we hear you've lost that love and feeling. Yes. By the Righteous Brothers, which was uh, cut out of syndication from the other episode, but remains in this one. But in this time it is, you, you've lost that loving feeling. Previously it was Unchained Melody, was it? Yeah, it got replaced by Unchained Melody in the other episode. Ah. Oh. Again, it's that Top Gun connection. You've lost that <laughs> loving feeling. Uh, one, of the, one of the bangers in Top Gun. I don't, I don't think Danger Zone is in our playlist yet, but I might just add it. 
<laughs> well, one thing leads to another. Wow. One thing leads to another. I guess I say no more, James. <laughs> clothes akimbo. Yeah, we from behind a sofa, we see uh, clothes getting tossed everywhere. Sam has a problem with his fly and has to <laughs> jam jimmy it with a, a fire, fire poker. poker. Yeah. Wow, what, what can we say, James? They, uh, in, <laughs> in, in flagrante, it's... Um, <laughs> It's that typical thing of TV shows, isn't it? Where you don't show the people, but you show the environment around them. So we, so you know what's going on, you know? Well, we see a lot of clothes flying through the air. That's enough, you know? We hear a lot of, uh, well, we can play the audio, but it might be a bit, uh, bit much for uh, any commuters listening, I guess. <laughs> Put the volume right up, yeah. <laughs> Make the person sitting next to you on the train uh, think about their life decisions. Sam... Don't. Stop. Okay. I said don't stop. <laughs> but we find out, James, that this is not reality. This is a dream. Oh. But it's Rebecca's dream. Oh, the turntables. Uh, <laughs> and she awakes uh, horrified that she's been dreaming of Sam. Uh, she so starts to freak out and panic about this as well. Uh, and Sam pops his head around the door of her office to just say, I think he's saying that he's working, he's going to go fix the windows, and she flips at him. She gets pretty angry at him. She does get pretty angry, but, you know, Sam saying that he's fixing the windows was a nice touch because it's a bit of foreshadowing. Mm. Yeah. It's a little Chekhov's gun, perhaps. Yes, exactly. I do love Chekhov's gun. <laughs> They've set that up, but they put a little hint that he's going to be by the windows. But Rebecca, in her fury, tells him to go away. She forbids him to say anything about beds to him or so, to her or something. She's very angry. <laughs> he does. He leaves, uh, and then she comes out of the bar and tries to have a word with Fraser and Lilith. What I like about this exchange is that she goes, "Oh, I need to talk about a problem or something." And Fraser's like, "Oh, but we have we have dinner reservations upstairs." And she goes, "I've been having erotic dreams." And he goes, "But it's all right, Rebecca. We can we can push dinner back a bit." Straight to top priority. Yeah, he he seems to think that he's the uh, the person she's been dreaming about. Well, I guess you could say that the main problem is that this guy who's oh I don't know I guess you could say he's starring in these dreams is somebody that I definitely should not be dreaming about. Ah, because even though he's a sexy and successful doctor, he's also happily married and about to be a father. (laughs) There is no fruit so sweet as that which is forbidden. He briefly tried to leave Lilith for Rebecca, didn't he? Do you know what I like, though? Lilith does not hold back here and immediately shoots him down and is like, I'm married to you and I do not have dreams about you. Yeah. Brutal. <laughs> Rain it in, Frasier. I like their relationship, their, the Lilith and Frasier relationship, but I <laughs> do find it how amusing, if slightly troubling, uh, it is that Frasier is... Barry has used the word cad. He's so openly a cad, but Lilith is able to diminish his confidence very easily. <laughs> I just think you've got to love a scene with the cranes. Yeah. Lilith's quite quite all up for this conversation, and she says, uh, who have you been dreaming about? Mal Gibson, Harrison Ford, the young man with the wavy brown hair, with the leg muscles who comes here, sweating up after bowling. Who said hello to, me, to Lilith <laughs> once. <laughs> she says it's Sam, and uh, the cranes don't have... 
much much advice for after that, really. No. They tried to analyze her in some way. They tried mm. to go, is it because of a subconscious desire for Sam, perhaps? Mm. Which she she says no. Is it because Sam represents some other element of your life? Maybe. They said it could be a, a need for her to get in touch with her inner self. She says no. They just say, it's Sam. Yeah. You want Sam, Rebecca? There's no <laughs> denying it. And they all leave the scene, and that's when we beautifully see the curtain or the little shades raise up, and Sam has been there behind them the whole time fixing the window. Because the and window's gone. Yeah. yeah. He now knows Rebecca's secret. Well, secret's out, and uh, Sam's going to be up to his wily ways. He's going to be on the loose. This is when the cranes go up to Melville's to have their dinner, uh, and they take with them uh, toys they've bought. Mm, yeah, they've got some funky new toys. Funky, maybe. It's uh, You know what it is, John? It's not funk. It's two-tone. <laughs> Very true. It's, um, the monochromatic range, because apparently that stimulates kids' brains more than colours. Who am I to say? <laughs> uh, Norm has a good, uh, good little phrase about this, which I'm sure we'll play. Current child development experts agree that infants respond with great excitement to toys like these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they say, yo, this stuff cost a fortune. My parents must be rich. <laughs> The guys at the bar, though, they're engrossed in a uh, in a big debate about beer. Mm, they are specifically what is the best quality of a specific beer? Great taste or less filling? Well, I've got to ask you, John. Which side are you on? I mean, are you want it to taste good? <laughs> yeah, and I've never worried about less filling. I've just consumed like some, you know. Eldritch horror. I sometimes want one a bit filling. You know, it tells me when to stop. If it's too light, I won't stop, and that that gets bad. That's true. Yeah, I've I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, me. Too. <laughs> you have. Uh, but they're talking. They're talking about Miller Light. I know. Yeah. Well, the the debate got settled, I guess, in time. Do you know this, James? Because uh, towards the end of the late nineties, more beers and lagers were light. It became less of a USP. So they sort of dropped that in their branding and just focused on ingredients and great taste. Well, there you go. Argument over. The, the, the argument got settled in time. Sad, but, sad, but you know, it's over. It's, it's done. But in, <laughs> in the meantime, when this uh, campaign was going on, they had a lot of guests uh, mm. doing their marketing, including Rodney Dangerfield and George Steinbrenner. Do you know of these two? No. Rodney Dangerfield, stand-up comedian. He was in Caddyshack. The more interesting one is George Steinbrenner because of how it relates to Cheers because Mm. he was the owner of the Yankees for over 30 years. Yeah. And uh, which side was he on? Great taste or less filling? I don't remember, but (laughs) we will post the link to the uh, advert in which he's debating with the uh, other aspect of this partnership in uh, the running of the Yankees. Well, yeah, Lilith felt like she escaped that scenario, I think. she. Uh, they quickly went off to the meal and the rest of the barflies sort of debated it until Sam came in with his news. In he comes, not subtly at all. No, he, he, he demands a crowd. <laughs> he does, yeah. He almost was going to ring the bell, you know. <laughs> but uh, after telling them all that uh, Rebecca's been dreaming of him, Carla gives him some advice of what he should do, which I think is a bit of weird advice. 
it's not it's not just weird. It's I think they were just on the uh, just on the right edge of not committing illegal activity, basically. I'm not sure if they were just on the right. I think they're just on the wrong edge, but but basically he. Well, the, re- the what I'm using for for reference, which is certainly illegal, is an episode of Seinfeld hmm. where Jerry goes to his date's house and she's got Legos or action figures or something and no one's allowed to touch them. But he wants to play with the action figures, he, despite being a 30-something-year-old man. But <laughs> what she happens is she goes, oh, I got a bit of a headache. Could you get some something from the medicine cabinet? And he goes, yeah, sure, I'll get something from the medicine cabinet. And he... <laughs> That was a terrible Jerry impression. I apologize. But yeah, he goes into the bathroom and he goes, drowsy or non-drowsy? And he chooses the drowsy kind, John. Uh-huh. And and she, she passes out so he can play with her action figures. Yeah, that's what I was using for reference. So Carla's suggestion is uh, wait till she's asleep. And very softly kiss her so she still thinks she's dreaming. Oh, yeah. What Carla suggested was was bad. What Sam <laughs> actually did was was better. That's what he tried to do. <laughs> Is it? Oh, I was just he, thinking of the playing sleepy noises. <laughs> <laughs> he played some sleepy noises to try and get her off to sleep. I think sleepy noises is fine. <laughs> he got her a warm cup of milk. Uh, and Cliff, Cliff says, oh, giving them milk, giving her warm milk to try and get her to sleep. And Sam replies to him, have you slept with over a thousand women? And then uh, <laughs> kind of puts Cliff in his place a bit. A thousand, that's a lot. But yeah, uh, you know, sleepy noises, warm glass of milk, that sounds nice. But it's the intention, isn't it? Hmm. Mm. He plays the sleepy sounds, your lovely rainforest sounds. And Rebecca goes, yeah, I guess I'll go to my office. And Sam's like, <laughs> guys, guys, it worked. And they're not listening. And why aren't they listening, John? Everybody's asleep at the bar. <laughs> Everybody except Carla. Yeah. yeah, Carla and Woody are both there, there looking at Sam. Uh, and Sam starts to talk to them both. And Woody doesn't reply. He starts to snore. And we find out that Woody can sleep with his eyes open standing up. I would like it as a talent. Um... <laughs> I, do you know what, James? I think it's the ideal talent for someone who does a lot of extra work in theatre. Yeah. <laughs> just in the crowd just <laughs> I thought that was a dig at me I was like I don't know what you're talking about John. no no no, no. <laughs> but um yeah and no, Woody in his plays just there at the background falls asleep someone gives them a nudge when they have to leave you know yeah I went to see a low low on stage not uh too long ago mm. there were a couple of extras in that and I'm pretty sure they just sat there <laughs> drinking wine and eating brie for two hours and what a life <laughs> just do you know, they should sell those seats as special tickets. That's what I thought when I heard we were going. I thought it was going to be immersive theatre because there's um, in there's at a few like stage festivals and comedy festivals, there are immersive Faulty Towers experiences mm-hmm. where they book out a hall and make it a kind of dining experience. But the staff there are playing Faulty Towers characters. Mm-hmm. So while you're eating, there's a plot happening. You know, Manuel's uh, all over the place. Man, Manuel's all over the place. Uh, a similar guy to John Cleese is stomping across the the ground. Yeah, and I'm intrigued by it just because I think it would be a big challenge to both cook a three course meal <laughs> for many guests and put on a show. I imagine they're not the people cooking it, but you know, it's a it's a multifaceted 
a performance and and well performance piece you know entertainment piece and you know i like food and i like faulty towers so i'm intrigued <laughs> that's the venn diagram you've always wanted jim <laughs> food faulty towers live experience with a meal <laughs> immersive experience <laughs> she goes off to her office to have a nap sam sneaks in when he thinks she's asleep and tries to kiss her and what happens james well she strangles him Rightfully yeah. so. No one gets one over on Rebecca Howe. No. Well, it's not the first time that Sam's tried to kiss Rebecca while she's asleep. It turned out to be Woody in the past. <laughs> but yeah, no, this time she, yeah, she strangles him, basically goes, what do you think you're doing? He tries to pretend that she's still dreaming. She figures out that people told him about his uh, her dream. Uh, and at that point, they have... I guess you'd call it quite a heartfelt discussion. Uh, definitely a bit more of an argument than a felt heartfelt, but it gets to the point where it hits some chords, I guess. And it kind of revolves around this idea of uh, Rebecca always being ambitious in life and never settling, but Sam kind of says to her, you've been here for three years, you've settled. Yeah, it, it's true. Yeah, sad but true. Uh, she says that's a low blow, or he says. Uh, and I think that's kind of uh, the theme of this episode a little bit, especially towards the end where that's kind of her reflection. And Sam kind of says, rather than wait around for the ideal person, the uh, the Evan Drake or... Uh, the Donald Trump. Yeah, that was weird. He got a, got a name <laughs> dropped, didn't he? <laughs> or the, the billionaire. <laughs> The billionaire show up at the door who's going to whisk you away. Well, little known 80s, <laughs> 80s celebrity Donald Trump. Yeah, It's weird how these programs age, isn't it? It was always a political show. Who that? Who? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but Sam says, rather than wait for these people to just show up at the door, isn't it better to be with someone who's there, be with him? Yeah, yeah. Because because it's not like a millionaire is going to walk through the door, Rebecca, especially not the only fictional one out of that list we mentioned. <laughs> well, uh, she agrees to take a chance on Sam and she says that he's right and that uh, that maybe her dream is right and maybe she should follow her dream and that's a sign. And just as they start to embrace, as you said, James, who happens to drop by? Oh, it's old Robbie C, Robin Colcord. Who I'm really worried throughout this podcast, I'm going to call Robbie Coltrane for the next season if he <laughs> sticks around. You're a bar manager, Rebecca. I'm a what? <laughs> <laughs> but Robin Colcord steps through the door. And I think there's no better time than to talk about the casts after he's <laughs> stepped through the door, James. Yeah. In this episode, we've got B.B. Newirth as Dr. Lilith Sternan, Roger Reese as Dr. Robin Colcord. He also appeared in The Life and Adventures of Nicholas Nickleby as Nicholas Nickleby, Tales on the Unexpected, A Christmas Carol, Stop or My Mum Will Shoot, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, Mantis, Boston Common, Extreme Ghostbusters, Oz, The Scorpion King, Law and Order, The West Wing, The Pink Panther, Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties, Grey's Anatomy, The Good Wife, Elementary, and many more. And Hagrid. <laughs> and, uh, it's different Bobby. I don't know if you mentioned it in the 40th anniversary, but uh, Robbie Coltrane uh, would have been my uh, British casting of, of Norm back in day. Tony De Benedetto as Tony. He also appeared in Going in Style, 
Fort Apache, the Bronx, My Favorite Year, Splash, The Pope of Greenwich Village, The Equalizer, LA Law, Fame, Kojak, The Price of Justice, The Famous Teddy, Z, Murphy Brown, My Blue Heaven, Blood Fist 3, Forced to Fight, Walker, Texas Ranger, Law and Order, Analyze This, and many more. We also had Peter Schreiner as Pete, and Philip Pullman was uncredited as Phil. And Robin Colcord, the sort of man of the hour in this episode, as he steps through the door, as you said, Rebecca is infatuated with him immediately. She's been reading his book throughout this episode. She she placed him as her ideal man, and now he's in the office with her. She very quickly uh, pushes Sam out the way, quite literally. She pushes him into a cupboard and things fall on him, including alcohol, which isn't great for Sam. Yeah, that's true. It, it, well, I'm not sure whether the alcoholism or the obsession with his hair, I don't know what's worse for him. <laughs> <laughs> because it spills all down his back. It's quite a sort of, a, maybe a little bit of a Stooges kind of vibe, a bit of a slapstick comedy with it. Yeah. You have that, that gulking sound of the, uh, the water pouring out of the jug as it sort of goes over his head. Uh, we pretty much get a uh, to be continued at this point. So, oh yeah, well after Sam's pushed into it, uh, and you see the bottles falling on him, we get those three words to be continued. Yeah, and there's Ooh. a great exchange between Robin and uh, Rebecca as well because he says, "Have I caught you at a bad time?" And she says, "No, you caught me just in time." Oh, what a what a, a slap to Sam there. <laughs> Who's that? Don't mind him. <laughs> Just <laughs> You've probably seen that meme where it's like, I'm living my best life. Sam is drowning. This ain't about him. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's covered in box and I think gin all over him. <laughs> this ain't about him. Yeah, don't worry. That's the trivia bell, James? Yep. Yeah. Oh, who's delivering it today? Robin? <laughs> what what happened to Cliff? Oh, I see. He's asleep. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, Robin. You can go now. You'll be, you'll be back next week. Great. <sighs> Rich people, John. <laughs> I can kick off with a question, James. As usual, before we open our letters, we have to give a shout out to our norms on Patreon. So this goes out to Treb Curry. If you want that special norm treatment, then check out our Patreon page for that and so much more. It's a similar question to uh, one that I asked at the end of season seven. And it's about Carla's famous earrings. Oh, yeah. What's she styling this episode? I noticed on this this time, it was uh, it was bowling pins. Yeah, some lovely yeah. bowling pin earrings. They looked heavy, but they looked good. They, look, they looked heavy, but uh, do you think she has any spare? <laughs> they were quite striking. Okay. Uh, I'm going to be quiet. I'll, I'll, I'll wait for you to do more. No, that's it. That's, that's the only bowling pun you get. <laughs> I'm going <gonna, laughs> to bend my inner myling class. Will it float? <laughs> Olive. Float or sink? Uh, sink. They say sinks, don't they? Olive sinks. Orange rind. Float or sink? Float. Float, correct. <laughs> uh, a lit match. Float. And uh, what does it smell like? Uh, d- divine. I'm sorry, John. The correct answer is heaven. <laughs> <laughs> and car keys. Uh, car keys obviously sink, don't they? Uh, they sink, yeah. 
What a cocktail. I think that it could, could be our special, James. A khaki corona. A khaki corona. I like that. I tell you what, James, I did a little bit of research on this one as well. Uh, the, the Times publication, or the Time publication, the American one, not the UK one, uh, they had an article on the five dirtiest things you touch every day. Oh, car keys are up car there. Car keys were an honourable mention. They didn't make the five, but they were up there, James. Uh, what would be the uh, your own face? <laughs> no, no. Surprisingly high toothbrush holders. <laughs> I, oh, this is going to sound me. I don't have a toothbrush holder. I have a desk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, toilets, notoriously filthy. Let's bring the episode full circle with this question. When did Rebecca last bring a date to her apartment? I'm looking for the year. Oh, 1986. Correct. Mm-hmm. Three years ago, I remembered. I remember they were saying three years a lot. And it took me a second just to think when this came out. Last call at the bar. So are we going to have that horrifically dirty pint that Fraser has? Or are we going to have uh, a Miller light? I mean, there are two options there. Oh, well, now that is a question. And <laughs> I did I did like the sound of a khaki corona. <laughs> uh, I, I like the sound of it, but after you've said how filthy it is, then uh, it's got to be the one that tastes great, John. I think we'll go for Miller Lite then. Yeah. It's, it's less filling as well. It's le- yeah, it doesn't have those khakis weighing it down. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the, the, I think that's a bar wars waiting to have a Miller Lite, great taste, less filling. We'll put it up. That's got to be done. Well, James, I've enjoyed kicking off season eight. It's going to be a good one. It is. And uh, we'll see you next week with the return of Robin. (gasps) And if you want to join us on our season eight journey, but get a little bit more extra content, then join us over on our Patreon as well, because we'll be doing some uh, bonus episodes, some newsletters. Follow us throughout season eight in style. There's even a chance for you to get your name shouted out in every episode of our podcast. You know, you get your special norm treatment, which is delightful. Become one of the norms. Yeah. But until then, James, until next time, James, we'll uh, we'll raise our Miller Lights to great taste and less filling. Here's to season eight. This has been Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast.